Imagine if God came to you and asked you to ask him anything you want. He just showed up to you and just said, just ask me anything. What do you want? Sky's the limit. Blank check. Whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Just ask. What would you ask? I want you to think about that because that actually happened to Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, you have Solomon who has been offering sacrifices. In fact, one of the times it's noted he offered 1,000 <laughs> offerings. Amazing. A huge, costly sacrifice. Uh, that is made to, to the Lord. And, and one of the occasions upon which that Solomon had went to Gibeon and, and made his offerings, we're told in 1 Kings chapter 3 and in verse 5, the simple words, ask what I should give you. Just ask. What do you want, Solomon? What would you like me to give you? And Solomon's answer, I think, is quite stunning. What he says uh, is really just, I think, shocking. If Notice the things that he begins to say. In verse 6, he says, Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept him this great, kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him uh, a son to sit on his throne this day. I want you just to hear the first thing that he says to God is, Lord, you are amazing in how you've been faithful. You made promises to my father about the great things that you were going to do. And those words have come to pass. You have put me on the throne. You have shown your steadfast love to my father that God, you are a God who keeps his word. And and you have Solomon recognizing then that the reason why Solomon is king and the reason why he's in the position that he is in is because God put him there. And he's saying that as he opens his answer. First answer is, you keep your word. And the only reason I'm in this position at all is because you have designated me to be king, being faithful to my father and the promises that you made to him. He continues in verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, Although I am but a little child and do not know how to go out or come in. In fact, he continues that and says, And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people. Too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Do you hear the humility in Solomon's words? As God comes to him, he spins back with humility to God and simply says to him, I'm like a little child here. And the responsibility that you have given me to leave these people as vast and as numerous as they are. And so you have put me in a position of needing help. 
And so there's great humility. You don't have Solomon say, and I know exactly what to do. You know, I'm going to be a great king. It's about time I got this position. I've been watching my father mess it up for a long time. And it's about time I got my chance. He doesn't say that. He says, you have made a vast nation, a huge group of people. And I am I'm just like a child that doesn't know how to, to go about leading this group of people. And that leads then to the request in verse 9. Verse 9 then Solomon says, Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. Final thing then he says, understanding his position, praising God for his faithfulness. He says, here's my request. I request that I would have an understanding mind, an understanding heart. Give me the ability to discern from right and wrong so that I can lead your people, this great people of yours, that I can lead them as your servant in the way that they ought to go. And I want you to think about that answer for a minute. Because in verse 10, notice what we're told before anything else. In verse 10, we are told it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. And I want to stop and just kind of sit there for a minute and just think about that. You can offer a prayer that causes God to be delighted. You think about that? You can talk to God in such a way that he's pleased. That's what just happened right there. Here God says, ask me whatever you want. And as Solomon goes through this, as he expresses his understanding of dependence upon God and praising the faithfulness of God and declaring that he's unable to lead them by his own might and by his own power or his own abilities, he then just simply tells God, give me the ability to be a servant, to lead these people. Give me that understanding mind and when God hears that God was pleased and I think we always should underline the moments when the text tells us God was happy about something God was delighted God was pleased that that gave him joy and that should be notable here what Solomon does what Solomon says causes God to be pleased why exactly is God pleased here and ultimately you see in verse 11 that God said to him because you have asked for this and have not asked for yourself king uh, for, for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I will give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, 
As your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Why is God pleased? Did you hear God's answer in that? You didn't ask for things that are for your own good. It's not enough to boil it down and say, well, he didn't ask for himself. Well, he did ask for himself. But exactly what did he ask about? He didn't ask for things that were merely for his own benefit. They are not selfish requests. And that's what God knows. He says, you didn't ask for health. He says, you didn't ask for a long life to be, you know, Lord, let me reign until I am 110 years old. Let me just keep me on the throne, keep me on the throne and keep me on the throne. I want to rule for a really long time. Solomon doesn't ask for help, nor does he ask for stuff. And that's what's pointed out there. You didn't ask for all these possessions. You didn't ask for wealth and riches or any of those kinds of things. You didn't ask for me to accumulate. You didn't treat me like the genie in the bottle and go, okay, now you know, make me rich. You didn't ask for that. And then he also says, you didn't ask for the life of your enemies, which essentially is power. You, you didn't ask for control, power, might, strength. You didn't ask for things for yourself in any way whatsoever. And I think this is so fascinating to think about that what Solomon does is he doesn't just go to his own internal desires and go, what, what do I want? You know, I can ask God anything. Gee, what, what sounds good to me today? He goes beyond himself. And I think it is important that we think about prayer in this light. That what we see God doing is that he is pleased, that he is delighted by prayers that extend beyond ourselves. And here's what I want you to notice. Not only is Solomon not praying for self, you know, give me wealth, give me health, give me stuff, give me power, give me strength. Let me have my best life, you know, things that I want to give me, give me, give me. That's not what Solomon does. But if you're careful, you'll notice he doesn't pray for others either. To be precise, he prays that God would allow him to be the answer for the needs of others. Think about what Solomon did. He doesn't say, give me stuff. Nor does he say, bless the nation. He says, give me what I need so that I can be the blessing to the nation. Give me the discerning heart so that I can lead your people in a way that you would be pleased. So that I can carry out my responsibilities the way you would want them to be carried out, God. See, there is something very special about what Solomon is asking for. That is not just simply, here's what I want or here's what they want. It's not uh, trying to have your genie in the bottle moment. But rather, I want to be the instrument to fulfill your purposes. So give me the discerning mind and heart so that I can do that. I want to be able to be the the means by which 
others are going to glorify you. That others will praise you. That others will belong to your kingdom in that way. Allow me to be that. That's ultimately what Solomon is asking for. And that is, I think, the essence of what is causing God to be delighted. Why he is pleased with the response of what Solomon gives here is that he wants this wisdom, not so he's the smartest guy on the planet and everybody will know, hey, Solomon's the wise. That's not the reason why. If you carefully read what he says there in verse nine is so that I can govern your people. I want to be your servant, God. And I want to be able to fulfill the role that you've given me. And I want to be able to be pleasing to you in the effort that I do. And so give me the ability to do that. That is, I think, ultimately the essence. And I I think a, a good summary idea of really what the goal of prayer should be. That we would think about our prayers in terms of this lens. That I want my prayer to be pleasing to God. Think about how that would change a lot of wording on a lot of things that we say to God. If we thought about wanting to pray to Him in such a way that He would be pleased by the request. He'd be pleased by the discussion, pleased by the communication. He'd be delighted in what we said to him. To think of prayer in those terms. And the New Testament uses phrases like that of praying in the, in the Spirit and things like that. And I think the idea behind that is not only let's pray according to the will of God, but that ultimately it is God that we are concerned about. We want Him to be delighted. We want Him to be pleased. And we want... His purpose is to be accomplished. And Solomon knows that he's been placed on the throne by God. That was what was promised to David. So God, let me rule with righteousness. Give me the understanding that you would want me to have so I can rule over these people and lead these people. This is why you see so many warnings about the problem of selfish prayers. If you think about what God is pleased by, where he says to Solomon, I'm pleased that you didn't ask for long life or stuff or power. And I'll challenge you and just think. How many prayers revolve around health, stuff, and power? How many prayers revolve around health, stuff, and power? And I want you to see that Solomon moved away from that. He had every opportunity. God says, ask me whatever you want. He could have said anything. And he stepped away from health, stuff, and power. And he said, give me the ability to rule your people in righteousness. Give me that understanding 
mind. This is what you see in the New Testament passage we probably know pretty well, where we have a picture of why God doesn't answer prayer. In James 4, verse 1, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. They may spend it on your pleasures. Notice that selfish, self-centered kind of concern that James is putting his finger on. You ask and don't receive. Why? You've got wrong motives. Where are the wrong motives? Spend it on your own desires, your own pleasures, your own wants. You're not thinking out beyond yourself. You're just thinking about self. And here James is challenging that. And what Solomon does absolutely challenges this is that it is so easy to just simply ask for ourselves. Anything that was offered, whatever you want, you can have. Well, how easy would it be to fall into those three categories of health and wealth and power? That's what's my concern. Just concern about ourselves. And you have James here telling us that our prayer life can absolutely be blocked. If we are asking with the wrong motives. This morning we talked about asking. And it will be given to you. That here is God saying I want you to talk to me. And I want to give you of your requests. But here he gives this caution. If you're asking just for you. Be careful. What's the reason behind that? What's the motivation behind it? And that's what I want you to see ultimately as this plays out. uh, That you see in verse 13, God is so pleased by this that we are told not only does Solomon receive this wise and discerning mind, none that before him and none after him in verse 12. Notice verse 13, it says, and I will give you what you have not asked for. (laughs) How great is that? I will give you what you what you want. You will be able to rule my people in righteousness. I'll give you this wise and discerning mind. But then he goes on to say in verse 13 there, I'll give you riches and honor. And verse 14 is the long life uh, as well. I'll lengthen your days. If you walk in my statutes, if you walk in my ways, if you keep my commandments, essentially, I will bless you beyond your imagination. I'll I'll give you what you didn't ask for even. And as we go forward in the the study, we know how amazing his wisdom and his wealth and his power was at that time. God absolutely comes through and fulfills these promises. And we don't have the time or nor is it the intent of the lesson, but the rest of chapter 3 uh, is really the proof of it. We have this one little snippet that's given to us to exemplify his wisdom where you have two prostitutes who have two newborns. One of them dies in, in the night. Both of them claim the one that's still alive is their son. And so they go to Solomon and say, all right, solve a dispute for us. One of our children died. One of them's still alive. And we both are claiming the one that's still alive and saying the, the dead one belongs to the other. And if you've heard the wisdom of Solomon, you may remember, he said, well, just divide the the child in two. That'll solve the problem. (laughs) Well, the the true mother goes, no, no, let the other woman have the child. 
And Solomon was able then to discern that this child actually belonged to her. So the wisdom of, of, of this is so put on display that notice verse 28. It says, And all Israel heard the judgments that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to carry out justice. Everybody saw the wisdom of Solomon. Everybody understood that God had fulfilled his promise. And I just want to take this lesson to just for us to consider two really simple points. At the beginning of the lesson, I asked you, if God were to come to you and say to you, ask me anything, I'll give it to you. What would you ask? And we might think about that for a minute and go, yeah, but, you know, that's that's not applicable to me. And that was something that was a one time deal for Solomon. And I want to challenge you and say, you actually have that offer, too. This request is that you can ask God anything is told to us on a number of occasions that God is giving us this open opportunity to say, you can ask me whatever you want. What would you like? Tell me what you want. A text that we reference from the Luke account, we'll consider it from the Matthew account. We looked at the Luke account this morning tonight from Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. When, when Jesus says that, what ultimately is he doing? Ask me. He's presenting the same offer to us. So just ask me what you want. Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it'll be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your fathers in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Look at that ending. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him what he just offered to you? Ask me anything. Just ask me. We read the Solomon account and go, man, can you imagine just dreaming? You know, can you imagine if God said, just ask? Jesus goes, just ask. He wants to give it to you. And that was a point that we made this morning. But listen to how James even amplified that. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, if you need wisdom, what should you do? Ask. Here it is again. Notice there's no grand formula. Here's God just saying, you know the thing that Solomon got? Just ask. Need a discerning mind? Need a discerning heart, an understanding mind? You need that kind of wisdom? Here is James saying, no, just ask him. Ask him in faith, he says. Don't ask doubting. Don't come to him as if you don't think he can't do it. 
but to understand that you can come to Him and, and pray that very prayer. The same thing that you have in, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And do you see what will happen? It's like what God did to Solomon. And all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about these other things. That's what He's saying. Don't be anxious, right? What we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear. All that stuff. Seek God. Let him take care of the rest. You see how Solomon did that? Here's your chance, Solomon. What do you want? You want the greatest kingdom that Israel has ever seen? Do you want wealth that Israel has ever had, never in its whole history? Do you want a long life, Solomon? Do you want riches beyond measure? What kind of power do you want in this kingdom? And Solomon doesn't ask for any of it. All his concern was for God's people. For God's kingdom. And God then followed through and said, I'll take care of the other things. And here Jesus comes along and does a very similar thing. Why are you being anxious about life? Why are you being anxious about stuff? Why are we worried about what we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear? That was a good one a few months ago and we all walked into the grocery store and saw all the food missing. And we're all like, ah, this has never happened before. I've never seen it like that. And we're being reminded, God, take care of us. Seek the things of God. And all of this will then take care of itself. Here's what I want us to think about. That our best prayer is offering prayers that go beyond ourselves. That the best prayer that we can offer to God, the prayer that God delights in, is that we are asking prayers, that we are offering prayers and giving these kinds of requests that they go beyond ourselves, that they don't just simply terminate on ourselves, but that we are asking beyond ourselves and to perhaps say it more precisely to what you see Solomon doing is that our prayers that we are offering up to God is that we want to be the instrument in God's hands. We are asking this prayer not because let me live a long life. I just want to live a long time and I don't want to die because I'm afraid of death. No, no, it's after that prayer. But what about maybe give me a longer life so I can teach more people the gospel. Give me a longer life so I can get to my neighbor and talk to them. Lord, let me keep this job so that I can keep working on my coworker and keep sharing the gospel with them. You see the difference? It's not just simply give me, give me, I want money, I want a job, I want help. But why? What are we ultimately asking for? Are we asking for things because we're just thinking about ourselves and what we desire? That's not a prayer that pleases God. But a prayer that pleases God takes that concept and says, you know what the real reason is that I want that? Is because I want God's purposes to be fulfilled. I want to be the instrument by which God is glorified. I want to be able to use whatever it is that we have in our prayer for the good and the glory of God and His kingdom. That is why 
God's delighted by Solomon. That's why God is stunned by Solomon's words. Because what he wants is to be used for the good of everybody else around him. And that we would ask God more prayers like that. That our best prayer is God grant me this, not really for my sake, but that so you can use me to be able to be the answer to somebody else's prayer and to somebody else's needs. There is something great about God being able to use you to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. We just recently crossed that in Acts 10, where Cornelius and the household are praying. And you know who God uses to answer the prayer? Peter. Peter's going to be the answer to the prayer of Cornelius and the household. That we would open ourselves up and allow ourselves through how we live our lives, how we look at the world, and ultimately how we ask our prayers so that God can use us so that we can do the same thing. How will we use our wealth? How will we use our stuff? How will we use our abilities and power and influence? How will we use anything that ultimately God has given to us if he gives us good health? How will we use it? Is it just so we can continue to do whatever we want to do, spend how we want to spend, live how we want to live, do what we want to do? Or to say to God, I want all this because I want to use it for you. That's your best prayer. Your best prayer doesn't terminate on you, but ask God for you to be the instrument, to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, it is amazing that you have made this offer to us. That, Lord, you have offered to us that we can ask you anything. And, Lord, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts and and free us from the concerns of this world so that we would have such a focus on you that our prayers would be glorifying to you and that, Lord, you could use us as instruments in your service. And so, God, we pray that you would could quell our concerns and take away anxiety, cause us to not worry about health and wealth and power and things of this life and things of this world and things of this, this nation, but that we, our focus, that our great concern was to be an instrument for you. Lord, forgive us for the times that we have asked selfish prayers when we've just simply been concerned for self without concern for others. Forgive us for when we've asked prayers that have had no concern for you and for your will and for your purpose. Forgive us for those times that we have been thoughtless in those ways. And Lord, we pray for the thoughtfulness, wisdom, and courage that we need to pray prayers that you would use us in a way that would be making us a servant of you. Lord, we pray that that would be our greatest goal, that you could use us. Lord, for whatever you give us, and you've 
blessed us richly. So, Lord, with with all that we have, with our time, with our health, with our money, with our wealth, with our abilities, with our power, with our influence. Lord, please use us to be servants of you and instruments in your hands. Finally, Lord, give us the discerning mind and wisdom like we see Solomon praying for. Give us that wisdom that even James says we can pray for. We ask for it. We need it because life is hard. Choices are difficult. Temptations are great. Help us, Lord, to have the wisdom we need to serve you fully in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.